Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode two of Steelers Draft Talk. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, you can find us on youtube.com slash all Steelers. I'm your host, Derek Bell. With me is my good buddy, Nick Martin. How we doing, brother? Doing great, man. I'm ready to talk some ball, especially from the past weekend of what was an awesome sports weekend. Particular. Yeah, for sure. A lot of good football played last weekend. I do want to give a shout out to you guys. Um, appreciate the support on the first episode. It was awesome to see that kind of viewership. A lot of good comments, a lot of good questions, a lot of good feedback. So I'm excited to get into the second episode. We're going to kick things off with some guys that, you know, stood out from last week. Nick, I'll let you kind of go first uh, with some of your guys that perform well. Okay. So first guy I'm going to talk about, I really want to talk about Kendra Miller. Um, I was really, I, I was flipping between a lot of games. I don't have a multi-monitor set up, but I, I noticed this running back and he was making these plays and I go, I go on, I look, I, I look him up. Uh, I, I could tell he was big. He's like listed six foot 220. He's probably more around six Boy. foot 215 ish or so, but he's making these really long gains. Like he, like I saw him have a 75 yard touchdown against Texas. He just completely beat the, beat the edge. And I was, I was, that, that's, a, that was impressive. But was more impressive was when I started to dive a little deeper into him. Uh, in particular, his hands. He had some really nice plays in the in the passing game, but it's his second. It's his it's his instinct in terms of his ability to string moves together. I noticed him be able to string a cut and a spin in the same in like the same move, and he'll. And he'll come off. Uh, he'll break a tackle, and figure out where you know where where to go after that, and pick up a first down. And like, I noticed his leg drive in particular. He was constantly falling forward. I don't necessarily think his contact balance is incredible. I think his I think his ability to fall forward though is is very good. And when you combine his level of athleticism. I mean, I looked this up. Apparently, as a recruit, he had like a six nine three cone. He was only a four six athlete at the time, but he moves like it. The way he can cover space with his horizontal cuts when he sinks, when he sinks uh, his hips, he has special level of just being able to manipulate the second level. Not just with athleticism, but also his his eyes, his hips. He really got the on that 75 yard touchdown against Texas, he really sold, sold it by, by pressing the line. And then he, and then he cuts back, finds that open lane, goes all the way for a touchdown. And I haven't seen too much of him as a blocker, but in terms of his blocking ability 
there were some good reps against Texas. There was one where um, Duggan threw the touchdown to Quinton Johnston, who was wide up in the end zone. Uh, he kind of ducks his head on the contact, but overall, what I saw from Kendry Miller, he might be a top three back in this class, and I don't say that lightly. He has that type of ability that teams, when they're picking a running back high, they would look at a guy like this, especially. Yeah, <clears throat> it's interesting to hear you say that because he's definitely a guy that's st- stood out to me over the past couple weeks. Just watching TCU kind of climb their way into the college football playoff picture. Right now they're fourth, I believe. Um, he's a guy that's been producing week after week. I just pulled up his numbers here. He's got five straight weeks of over 100 yards. I mean, 104 yeah. yards, 153, 120, 158, 138. You watch that Texas game, and I think, you know, John Robinson is an incredible athlete. He is really special running back. I mean, he's, he's going to be, in my opinion, the first guy taken at the position. And it's going to be in round one, which is rare these days. Um, but, you know, Miller, he looked really good in that matchup. And it's not, you know, a one-to-one type of comparison there, but he definitely held his own. And I thought that was um, – it was a really unique matchup for him. And it was a fun fun game to watch. I was glad that Johnston played too because I had some concerns if TCU was going to be able to move the ball through the air if he wasn't going to be out there. Um, but it was, it was definitely a he- fun game to watch. Yeah, even though he clearly wasn't hundred percent. By the way, I'm just gonna sure. add this. He, I, I thought he was. I thought he was. He was doing a lot off his releases and just getting open. He made some contested c- catches, and I just thought, like in general, Johnston shows like so much impressive agility for such a bigger receiver. The the thing that I think is special about Johnston, and I haven't done an incredible amount of work on the entire receiving class, just from what I've seen about the draft eligible kids, Johnston is my wide receiver one right now. The thing that I think makes him very unique is with that huge frame that he has is how quickly he can go from receiver to ball carrier. And you don't see that a lot from bigger guys. Normally, you know, there's a split second delay when they get the ball. They're not as shifty after the catch. Johnston has this unique ability. He can jump in the air for a ball. As soon as his feet hit the ground, it's boom, vertical. And it's it's pretty, pretty impressive to watch. I don't know how high he goes. This is definitely not the receiver class of the past few years. And it's not super, super talented, in my opinion, especially up top. But he's got a chance to go in the first half of the first round, in my opinion, mainly thanks to some of the things we just said. So, yeah. Um, as far as standouts for me last week, this is a guy that I have really grown quite the affection for since the beginning of the season. It's Tui Tupelotu from USC. Really interesting build for a pass rusher. Um, he's technically an interior defensive lineman, but they've used him a lot on the edge this season. I believe he's listed at like 6'4", 290. He has those NFL bloodlines. I believe it's his brother that plays for the Eagles. He's also, I didn't know this until this morning when I was putting together my notes, but he's also the cousin of Hufenga from the Niners, which I thought was I pretty interesting. So you got a lot of NFL bloodlines there. Uh, but he plays all over the place. He plays three tech. He plays the edge. He can play the run, really heavy hands, powerful guy, can win via the bull rush. But the thing that jumps off on film when you watch him is 
he's got a pretty good for a quick first step for a guy that is his size. And a lot of times you see these edge rushers that are bigger. They can't consistently win the corner of tackles. And if you can't do that at the college level, it's going to be really difficult for you to do that against the NFL tackles who are a lot more athletic, but Tupelotu does it consistently, man. I mean, against Colorado last week, he had two and a half sacks, I believe, the last of which was a forced fumble. The week before, he had two sacks. He's up to 11 and a half on the season, which I believe leads the nation uh, the last I checked. So he's a guy who's been incredibly productive, really interesting player because I don't exactly know where the best fit is for him in terms of scheme or position but he's a guy that I'm surprised is not getting more draft buzz among like bigger draft kind of media guys. Yeah. To, uh, to pull to, um, particularly when I look at, um, tweener, uh, type of bodies, like the six, four, two nineties, where you don't really know if they're an interior defensive lineman or if they're an edge rusher, you want to see a level of dominance between one of the one of the key attributes like one of the key like parts of the line that they play on and i think with pelotu it comes along the edge in terms of his ability to use his hands and get around the edge and i think when you see that that encourages you a lot more about his potential projection at the next level in terms of his role and overall like like you said, Pelotu, there's not there's not a ton of buzz about him right now, but I have a feeling that could really change, especially um, with a key with a key game against UCLA, which I'll talk about a little later. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned the hands, heavy, heavy hands to run through kind of the center of tackles, but he's been killing people with like two hand swipe, cross chop moves. Like this is not a guy that's relying on size and athleticism. He already has sort of that pass rushing toolkit that he's already incorporating into his game. And that's incredibly, you know, optimistic um, for his viewpoint moving forward here because he's already got a lot of um, good things kind of working for him as a pass rusher. Who's the other guy that kind of stood out for you this weekend? Do you have anybody else? I have a I have a, I have a few players, um, but I'm going to briefly mention uh, Michael Penix's performance against Oregon. Uh, Michael Penix is a guy I've developed a little bit of of a of a draft crush currently going because what he does this is this is in particular to do with how Washington trusts him to make these 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 um these longer developing reads because out of all the quarterbacks I've watched in this class. Aside from maybe CJ Stroud, I think Michael Penix gets backside better than just about anyone in this class in terms of, but the thing is with him, it's not always like, uh, he's not going to consistently throw it short. Like he's going to look for the, he's going to look for the kill shot. And you saw it in the game against Oregon, like vertical, this vertical passing scheme that he's in right now, his arm and his ability to create from within the pocket, he had a nice play where he has a free rusher off coming uh coming from his right, and then he has the edge uh he has edge pressure from his left from his left, and he just does a spin, gets out of it, runs for a first down, and I'm just I I watch how he creates within the pocket, particularly going back to his days at Indiana. Um the thing that I looked for with Michael Penix was 
could he harness that aggression? And I think with the scheme you're seeing with uh, Ryan Grubb and just this huge vertical empty passing attack it gives him free reign to make all the reads he wants and to be able to process so much information coming across the field i'm very impressed with michael Penix, but i have to mention his injury history he had two acl injuries at um at indiana and he had a non-throwing shoulder injury back as well and there's potential that he could be medically red flagged coming into this draft a lot of his buzz has been it's been it's been very like cautious if mm-hmm. from from the uh, vibes i've gotten and in terms of something i read um i was i was scrolling through twitter and i saw dane brugler who does excellent work over the at the athletic he mentioned that he would be surprised if he was a day two pick this was before the game against oregon but i thought that was really notable yeah and, yeah, uh, we talked about Penix. There's very few things that I enjoy watching more of than quarterbacks that are able to process a bunch of information in college, especially when you play in those vertical heavy schemes, because you're not getting a bunch of short throws, not a lot of screens, RPOs, things like that. Penix has the ability to quickly reset his eyes and his feet like almost simultaneously. And that was something that really has jumped out to me in the little bit that I've seen of him this year. He also has, I think his arms pretty good. I I really think he can generate uh, pretty, some pretty easy velocity, which is um, something to keep an eye on. So Penix to me in a quarterback class that maybe doesn't look as good as we anticipated, mainly because we didn't get the rises out of some of these players that we were hopeful for. Um, you know, Penix definitely has kind of thrown him, thrown his name into that conversation. I also think with the injury history, you know, there's no way for us to know that there will be more buzz, you know, from the bigger draft names and from rumors and things like that as we approach um, draft season. But it's just hard to factor it in. I mean, all we can really go on is what we see on tape. And I do think there's going to be some like PTSD from like Carson Strong from last year. You know, you don't really know what to do with him because, you know, I was a fan of Carson Strong two years ago, and then last year it was very clear that he was not healthy. So there was always this kind of in the back of my mind, even though I liked the player, how much of this tape is due to him not being healthy, and is it going to be a problem moving forward? Is he ever going to be fully healthier? The player that we saw a couple years ago at Nevada, and, you know, right now he's out of football already. Uh, For a a talented kid, which is really unfortunate um, when those situations kind of develop. But, you know, what do you do? Um, the other the other guy to me that stood out in that TCU-Texas game was Trey Hodges-Tomlinson, LT's nephew. So you got more NFL bloodlines there. Undersized guy, 5'9", about 190, 180, I think. Plays on the outside, though. This kid, this kid balled, I thought, over the weekend. Texas has a guy, Xavier Worthy, who I think former track guy, if I remember correctly from like his recruiting days, he can really stretch the field vertically. Hodges Tomlinson was running stride for stride with him. They tried to throw Worthy a, uh, like a deep post, maybe off play action. Ewers kind of left the ball a little bit short. Hodges Tomlinson was able to, he was, you know, in phase, able to adjust to the ball, come back, pick it off, take it back for a nice return. I, I just liked his aggressiveness 
with those bigger receivers, if you're going to be undersized, you got to have a little bit of chip on your shoulder. And there's another guy that we're going to talk about later that's kind of in that same mold. I don't know where his stock is going to be because there are there are it's going to be a ton of concerns about his size. I'm not even really 100% sure if he's 5'9", but he's going to be a guy that teams are likely going to want to move inside. But I think with how quick he is, he has what I like to call reactive athleticism, that reactive quickness. He is really quick in and out of his breaks. He has, he has really solid transitions. He's a guy, and because of his competitiveness and willing to tackle, that I think could thrive if he is moved inside um, at the next level. So a cornerback class, this is similar to me to the offensive tackle debate in this group from what I've seen so far. Maybe not as top – definitely not as top-heavy as we've seen in previous drafts where you don't have those studs up at the top of the – maybe the first round, but nice depth. And I think Hodges Tomlinson's a guy who could sl- – even with those size concerns – could slide himself into that day two um, conversation. So um, I haven't paid particular attention to Hodges Tomlinson, but I did notice with Texas's passing game, they were struggling immensely, particularly with their court. You know, their quarterback was, was definitely missing some throws, but particularly the coverage downfield, like there was just guys plastered to these receivers and they're getting a lot of, they were getting a lot of pressure in his face as well was a really defensive oriented game. So I'm definitely gonna have to check out Hodges Tomlinson. Yeah, he did. He did pick up a penalty where um, Worthy was running a fade in the red zone, which he was in a good position. He was in phase. He just got really sloppy down the field and trying to be a little bit too physical. I think he was a little bit too worried about getting the guy out of bounds rather than just playing the ball. Um, but for the most part, I thought it was good. It's always hard to see defensive backs when you're not watching all 22. So live broadcasts, those are always tough for us to judge. But when you just look at the numbers of what he was able to do against Texas, that's a good Texas team, good quarterback, talented right arm of yours. They got some weapons on the outside. Like I said, Xavier Worthy is a guy that we've known about for a long time through the recruiting cycle. But, you know, I think he was targeted like seven or eight times, one catch allowed, and then one penalty had an interception. So, Really productive game. I'm sure that's going to help his draft stock. I'm interested to get to the All-22. But um, do want to get to some – we started to see the Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl invites roll in recently over the past several days. Those aren't completed yet from what I understand. We're still going to get you know a lot of invites going through the cycle for both of those All-Star Game circuits. But who are some invites that you're kind of excited about right now, whether it be Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, anything that stood out for you? Uh, the one I'm kind of excited about is Jamie Robinson for the uh, for the uh, Senior Bowl. Robinson honestly reminds me a good bit of Jalen Petrie from last year, and I'm really oh, interested Petrie, to see. Yeah, yeah and yeah, and, Pet- yeah, and Petrie ended up he ended up really making a name for himself down at the senior bowl Mm -hmm. and Jamie Robinson only seen him against LSU, but he's, but he was a guy I have, I've had circled since that game. And in particular, I'm really excited to see him, especially with a lot of the wide receiver talent, like Jonathan Mingo there that I'm, I'm really excited to see for sure. Yeah. I haven't got the chance to watch him, so I'm going to have to put that in my notes because I was a big Jalen Petrie guy last year. The Senior Bowl was kind of – 
I was lucky because I got on the Petrie bandwagon a little bit before that because he just so happened to be a guy that I was able to get to film-wise about two, three weeks before that. But he did. He blew it out the water because I think there were some questions like, is he this hybrid nickel defender who is just really good at playing the run and going forward? And people were kind of underestimating his coverage skills. And then he got to Senior Bowl and he was locking guys up. People were like, oh, okay. So this dude is a little – he's pretty complete. And he went, he went like early second round, right, to the Texans? Like, yeah, the he first picks. That was, yeah, high, he, that was even higher than I anticipated him going. I thought he was going to go day two, but I didn't know. Um, I didn't know that he was going to go that high. So that's cool. I'll definitely have to check him out. The maybe a surprising guy that I wanted to talk about was Zay Flowers from Boston College. I was really surprised that he didn't get a senior bowl invite. And maybe that's going to come down the road. I don't know. But he did get a Shrine Bowl invite. Flowers has been a guy that's been extremely productive his entire career at Boston College. A four-year producer, undersized wideout, but plays with a lot of speed. I don't know what he's going to run necessarily, but he's a three-level threat, a guy that really knows how to get open, really good separator. There were some really interesting route-running nuances that he would – kind of manipulate defenders on and bust for big plays over the past couple of years. He was actually a guy that I thought was going to come back or come out last year, but I was a little surprised he came back. Maybe that was because Jerkovic was going to be back under center. He's not been healthy because he hardly ever is. Unfortunately, when those two have been on the field at the same time, they've had some really impressive highs, but he's produced regardless of who's at quarterback. And I, I think he's a guy that, in that type of setting, like the all-star game setting where, you know, one-on-ones are always very heavily favoring the wide receivers, but he's a guy in one-on-ones that I think is just going to dominate. Like that's really why I wanted to see him at the senior bowl against some of the best competition the all-star circuit had to offer because it was because that I thought that he was going to be a guy who could just blow it up. Um, I don't know if he, because of the size, I think he is going to be a slot guy at the next level, at least that's where teams are going to probably want him. It was interesting. I don't know who tweeted this. I think it's, it was Eric Galco, the guy who does the head guy of the Shrine Bowl. He did say that one team that he talked to had a first round grade on flowers. I don't definitely don't think that's in the realm of possibilities, but a day two pick was what I had him pegged for last year. And even though I haven't watched his film this year, I've caught some live glimpses and I see no reason why he can't go like, third round or something like that so i also was kind of shocked like you that he not only didn't get a he's been a shrine bowl invite didn't hasn't been a senior bowl invite yet but also that he came back this year because i honestly did think he had a chance to be a day two pick based off what i had seen but i think he's increased his stock a good good bit because what i'm seeing when i see live from him it doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball like wide open like, no, like not just wide open. Like there's a rep against Duke. He's has off coverage and he turns this guy like right around. And there's just nobody in nobody middle of the field on the, on the post. There's nobody even within an area code of him. So he can create separation, but more so doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball because they're throwing it to him into double coverage and he's going up over guys. Yep. And he's making these these plays over the top. And I'm just like, that's what you want to see from a receiver like him, especially who's listed more in like the one, like he's like 170, he's like listed around like 175-ish. And I'm not even sure if he's 5'11", honestly. I yeah. Like based on like 
potential, you know, potential height weights discrepancies that the schools will give out. But like in particular, I I, I think he had really increased his stock. So I was kind of shocked to see the that see him at the Shrine Bowl. But one more thing I want to add: the Shrine game last year, they produced a lot of really productive players in the NFL for for this year, mm-hmm. and. I think the the gap between the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl it it's been getting a little bit smaller recently, and I do think a lot of it has to do with Galco um, running the Shrine game. So I wanted to give a quick shout out to that in particular. But yeah, would have wanted to see him at the Senior Bowl with the one on ones. That would have been really fun. Yeah, and I I think too with with Flowers him having that combination of dangerous with the ball in his hands and able to stretch the field vertically separate does a lot of things that you want out of that slot receiver. And I don't know, he's definitely a guy that I would be absolutely shocked if, you know, February comes around and we're putting out our list of like, all right, these are my guys so far. Like if he didn't end up on that list for me, he's just a guy that I'm really excited about as far as senior bowl invites for me personally, I haven't gone through the entire list, but I did think it was interesting that we did get invites for Jalen Duncan and Matthew Bergeron. Both of those guys, I have paid attention to Bergeron more live recently because Brandon Thorne has had a lot of really good things to him to say about him. If you guys don't know who Brandon Thorne is, he's like pretty much the godfather of offensive line play on Twitter. Pretty much everything that I personally know about how to evaluate offensive linemen, I've learned from Brandon, just listening to his stuff, reading his stuff. So big shout out to him. But he was the guy that kind of got me to start watching Bergeron. That dude, that dude's a baller. I I think that the stock is going to for sure catch up to his play very soon. And then Jalen Duncan, he's a guy that we talked about a little bit last week. I want to see more consistency. I'm interested to see how both of those guys do in those one-on-ones against the pass rushers in particular, because they also got an invite for Tyree, uh, Tyree Wilson from Texas tech. That dude has been wrecking shop this year. Uh, I'm, I saw a tweet from Jordan Reed saying that that was like, Wilson was um, the best player that he's live scouted so far this year, which is considering that's his full-time job. And yeah. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan is a guy that I have a lot of respect for his evaluation process, but you look at Tyree Wilson is a freak athlete. I mean, a really in, incredible player off the edge. I think he's like 6'6", 275. Yeah, but that's like what, what makes him unique is he's got a seven foot wingspan. <laughs> so there's there's a there's going to be some some battles in the trenches on those one on ones. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, all of those guys are healthy around that time. And we can you know see some fireworks and individual drills. And obviously, we hope there isn't any opt outs in in that regard because you never, you can just never never, know. Ex- never know what to expect in that regard. Yeah, but yeah, let's get to what we were what we're looking for this weekend. Yeah, um, I'll I'll kind of let you talk about this one first because I think we've got players on both sides of one of the bigger matchups this weekend. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to USC versus UCLA. There's a lot of very notable players, whether it be for the 2024 class and Caleb Williams, who's QB1. probably, yeah, he is, he Special. is, he's so fun to watch. And, and it's just, it's just hard not to pay attention to him so much so that I feel like I end up, 
I end up losing track and I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to watch this guy. And I just ended up watching Caleb Williams instead. But no, USC, UCLA, they got some, like we mentioned, Tuli, Tui Pelotu at um, USC, but also Leatu Latu at UCLA. This is a mm-hmm. guy at, at um, Washington, not to be like Chris Collinsworth, but um, <laughs> Leatu Latu um, at Washington. He was he had a neck injury at the time, and they told him he wouldn't play football. Fast forward to this year, he's playing at UCLA. He gets three sacks against Washington, and I've been looking at some of his reps. There is some impressive, impressive reps in terms of his explosion and his bend, but also his hands. I like I noticed like a I, like. He tried a ghost move, um, and he didn't get the cl- he didn't get the cleanest like exchange. So he ends up swiping the guy's hands to get under, and then he still gets the the pressure like right there. And I'm just like I I was just like oh my goodness I need to watch this guy, and in particular like the 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 injury could be a concern from from a medical perspective, but obviously I have to watch you know players like that in particular and also we got zach charbonnet at uh running back who i'll be paying attention to i wasn't his biggest fan coming into this year i think he was i think he's not as good of an athlete as people say and i think um in particular with um some of the projection in terms of his potential i think is a i think i don't necessarily agree with but i want to see him live and see if my opinion on him kind of changes. Um, in particular, uh, you mentioned this to me, but there's a corner USC too who's grading out pretty well on Pro Football Focus. I don't remember his name, but I have to like USC's defense is a turnstile. Like it's so bad. in terms of the points they're giving up, and like there's some guys who are grading out pretty well on their defense. And I'm just like, okay, I got to pay attention to to some of these guys because even though they're giving up a crap ton of points, it's clear. They still got some talent that I got, I got to watch instead of just paying attention to Caleb Williams hoping to learn something. Anyway, that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, If you have anything you want to add on a Leotu Latu or, or to Epilotu or anyone else I mentioned. Yeah. uh, Feel free. Latu is a very, very interesting person. I I didn't get around to him until about two, three weeks ago, so I'm kind of jumping on a little bit late. But I did see the ghost move I think that you're referring to. Are you talking about the one against Stanford? He forced I believe a, so. Okay. He forced a fumble against Stanford, and that was – I saw that rep pop up on my Twitter feed, and I was like, okay, this dude's going in the notes. I got to watch this kid. So I went back and watched <laughs> I went back and watched about 20 minutes of what I could find on YouTube, just of some of his reps from this year. Explosive, bendy, very, uh, very intriguing player. Like you said, this is another guy that we don't really know about the medicals on, but if the medicals clear, he's going to be pushing for that like early day two, possibly even day one stock. I really do just based on what I've seen as a pass rusher. I don't know. I'm not as well informed on his run defense, just yet i'll have to do more work on that but i do think as a pass rusher and just you'll hear us talk about a lot of edge guys over the course of um you know the year but edge and defensive line in particular are like really really strong points of this draft class 
even if your team, you know, whether it's the Steelers or another team doesn't really necessarily need a starting edge, it would be a good idea to take one because yeah. there are going to be guys that are going to get filtered down the draft just because of how good the class is. I mean, we've got all the way guys up at the top, like Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, Tyree Wilson, all those guys that are going to go, you know, top 15, top 20, Isaiah Foskey. There's a ton of guys, even day two, like Will McDonald, Latu, a lot of good pass rushers, man. Tui Pelotu, if you even, if you consider him an edge. Uh, yeah. There's, there's so many different styles of players that you can get in this draft class. And I think you're going to be able to find starter capable guys into the third round that maybe it's considered a little bit of a luxury for your team. And this, this is why I want the Steelers to take one just because you don't know year to year, if you're going to get the same quality of position and they can kind of um, protect themselves. If, um, you know, Highsmith is able to walk in free agency. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But the yeah. guy that we're looking for from Pro Football Focus, I just found his name. It's Makai Blackman. That's Mekhi that's Blackman. the kid's name. So gotcha. we'll have to both watch him. I don't know if he's draft eligible or not. That was just something that when I was going through my notes today, I, we, we talked about it before the, before the pod. But guys that I'm looking forward to this weekend in particular, Siake Ika, we talked about Miller and that TCU run game earlier. Ika, to me, is the prototypical of what you kind of want as a zero-tech nose tackle, and he's probably the best player at his position in this class. I'm not considering Jalen Carter as a zero-tech because that's not what you need him to do. But Ika, he's a former LSU guy. I think he was even there maybe when they won the national championship. I think he's been around that long. But he's a little bit of an older prospect, I believe. Very intriguing player. 6'4", 350 pounds. Just, he's going to have the ability to transform whatever NFL defense he goes to because he's going to command so many double teams. And I think that his ability to anchor in the run game and take two is going to leave his linebackers playing behind him, able to run so free and just make a bunch of tackles. He also has because you can it feels like every draft class you can find these run stopping nose tackles on like day three, maybe late day two that you kind of can kind of just plug in on first or second down and then yeah. you want them off the field. Ika is a little bit different in my opinion because I think he has a little bit more pass rushing prowess than most of the guys that we typically think of when we talk about these zero techs. He's got uh, he's got some pass rushing moves. Like I've seen him use a cross chop and inside swim. Very intriguing player for me if you're a team that's looking for a nose tackle. So quick, uh, quick, quick thing I want to ask you: um, who do you, who would you based off what you've seen? Who would you compare him to uh, in terms of players in the NFL right now? Because um, I'm I I, I definitely want to get around to to checking him out because I know his name's been buzzing. He's got a senior bowl invite. I don't, I don't know that I have a true comparison. We talked about a little bit before the show. A lot of people on Twitter are trying to push the Vita Vea thing. And it's like, I, I think Ika is a very, very good athlete for his size. When you look at guys that are 350, 360 pounds, for one, we don't see a lot of them playing at this level. Yeah. But the way that he moves for his size is pretty dang incredible, honestly. He can really get up the field. He has some juice to him, and that that obviously shows up when he's trying to rush the passer. 
but Vita Vea was a different type of athlete. Vita Vea was a very good athlete for any defensive lineman. You don't need to throw the caveat in there for his size. I don't think Eke is that type of athlete. But as far as his value, I do think he's going to be a day two pick, and he's going to go before the traditional like nose tackle, zero tech type guys typically go just because I think he offers you more as a pass rusher. So um, um, one quick thing I, I just want to add. Um, Leatu Latu. Uh, personally heard about him when I was scrolling through my timeline. Uh, it was from a good buddy of mine, John Owning, who has probably taught me the most about what to look for in a pass rusher, him and John Ledyard in particular. But Owning, he, he, has a, he has a great background in – in martial arts in particular. So he knows exactly what he's talking about. And I noticed, I noticed him, you know, talking about him. So I was like, okay, I saw that, that, that play against Stanford. And I was like, all right, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and mark this guy down and yeah. I'm going to go watch him because if he's got owning feeling good, like I got, I, I gotta, I gotta watch him. And I'm in particular, I'm, I'm definitely, I, I definitely liked a lot of what I've seen. I'm excited to watch him live in particular. Shout outs to John owning does great work over pro football focus. For sure. Um, the last guy that I have to talk about, and then we'll kind of wrap this thing up and head out of here for the day, but I'm really excited to see this Utah Oregon matchup. Oregon to me is a team that I've watched a lot recently of they they've, they've been humming offensively. And Clark Phillips was a guy that I was high on coming into the year, cornerback for from Utah, undersized kid, about 5'10", like 180, 190. He's got a huge matchup this weekend. Oregon has a kid that's not draft eligible from what I understand, but Troy, Troy Franklin is his name, a sophomore. He's having a huge year. I think he had like 100 yards and a touchdown last week as well, but Phillips is a really scrappy corner, very fluid athlete, long speed, excellent short area quickness. He's a guy that I really enjoyed watching play. He had a couple of really nice plays in the Rose Bowl last year against Ohio State. Granted, Utah kind of got ran out of the building in that game, but there were some nice takeaways that I found from that game from Phillips. A lot of the same strengths, and I'm not a big comparison guy, honestly. I try to avoid them unless I feel really, really great about them. This isn't necessarily a comparison one-to-one that I want to give right now without studying more mm-hmm. of the All-22, but I see some similarities with Phillips that I did to Asante Samuel Jr. a couple of years ago. Just the transitions, the ability to quick and click and close, get out of his breaks, flip his hips, and play bigger than his size indicates. I think that there is there was a lot of film coming out of the summer scouting session to me that said that he was going to be a first round caliber type of corner, even despite the size deficiencies and that lack of length. I think we are looking at a kid who I'm really interested to see, like once the season's over and we're taking a look at guys body of work, I think that he's going to just based on what I've seen live and the little bit of film I've been able to get on him so far. I think he's going to have arguably the best film on a rep to rep basis especially in main coverage of any corner in the class. Now, I don't think he's going to go as high as a guy like Keely Ringo could go, or even maybe guys like Cam Smith, better athletes, bigger guys that maybe have more of a higher ceiling because, you know, you could teach a lot of things, but you can't make Clark Phillips bigger. Um, no. But what he is, he's a, he's a really good corner already who knows what he's doing. He's very technically refined. 
excellent feet. That's something that I value a lot in cornerbacks. Like if you, if you don't have good feet, I, I don't want you on the outside, especially. So I don't have any qualms about moving him inside, but he would be a guy that to me in the right scheme um, that I'm comfortable with starting him outside, uh, even as a rookie. So I'm excited to see him play big matchup. Bo Nix kind of been balling a little bit this year. So that's a dangerous Oregon team. This is going to be a fun matchup, Pac-12 after dark. So, yeah, and Clark Phillips, uh, like you mentioned with the Rose Bowl, like he had a like that was really honestly, I think too. Yeah, Probably. like Clark Phillips in that game, like that's where I got to I got to learn his name, and he really cemented himself as like the corner to watch coming into this class. And from what I've seen of his film, he's just consistently up to the challenge against these against these bigger, stronger receivers. And I think when you're looking for looking at smaller corners, you want to see that you want to see that, like the, the dog in them that yeah, you, you want, you want to, you want to see them be up to the, up to the challenge in those types of. And those I, types I think of not that Franklin isn't a guy that's like overly physically empowering, but he, he, he is listed, I think at like six, two, so there will be some challenges, I think, with that Oregon passing attack, maybe down the field to where we'll get some reps against with him and some bigger receivers. But you just another thing you mentioned the Ohio State game, the he's very opportunistic when the ball's in the air. Like his ability to match and get chest to chest with some of these bigger receivers, I think he's up to like eight interceptions or something like that for his career now, and that's that type of ball production is maybe something that we didn't see enough of from Asante Samuel Jr. coming out. Maybe that's one of the reasons why he did slide um, further than I honestly thought that he should have um, in the NFL draft. So Still Phillips, is a guy, Phillips is a guy that I think like won't be the first corner off the board. But when we're looking at in terms of production and the body of work on film, I definitely think that he's a guy that will put his name in that conversation. He's a first-round type of talent. To me, it's just a matter of does he fit the measurables that your team is looking for in terms of, you know, size, length, stuff like that. So, yeah. All right. I think we're uh, we've covered pretty much everything. Again, I appreciate everybody um, stopping by watching the video. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Thank you all for the support. You, again, you can find us at YouTube.com slash all Steelers. Drop a like on the video. Make sure you're subbed. If you guys have players that you want us to take a look at and give your our opinions on, we could potentially work that into a segment moving forward. Like I said, this is going to happen every Thursday weekly from here on out. So we're excited about that. If you guys have players that you have questions on, want us to talk about, drop, drop a comment, drop a like, and we will see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.